Welcome to Unsuitable on Ray Radio, the award-winning financial services and business advisory podcast that challenges your old school business practices and their traditional business suit culture. Our guests are industry professionals and experts who will challenge you to think beyond the suit and tie while offering you meaningful modern solutions to help enhance your company's growth. I'm your host, Dave Kane. Because finding and retaining top talent continues to be a major challenge for nearly all businesses, We've talked a lot about this topic on our podcast, and we're going to broach that topic again, but today we're going to tackle the topic from a different angle. Today's guest believes that organizations have more tools at their disposal when it comes to recruiting and retention than they might think. A professional in human resources management, Ron Geisinger, serves as a senior consultant with the Benefactor Group, which is located in Columbus, Ohio, where he provides clients with leadership governance executive transition, succession planning, and general HR consulting services. On this episode of Unsuitable on Ray Radio, Ron will explain how businesses that promote a culture of giving back can have more success when it comes to recruiting and retaining top talent. Welcome to Unsuitable, Ron. Thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah, you've got uh, quite, a, quite a resume, so uh, pretty impressive. So I want to I want to mention uh, you know looked at the benefactor group um, webpage and what an impressive webpage. Uh, talk to me a little bit about benefactor group. Where are you guys located? Sure. Maybe a website. Sure. Uh, we are located here in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Um, we serve clients across the country. Uh, all of our clients are in the nonprofit sector. Um, prior to doing this, I worked in in the corporate sector in the tech industry. So, um, but for the past 10 years, I've been working with Benefactor Group. Our clients range in size from the smallest grassroots nonprofit to very large pediatric children's hospitals. Wide so, range. So wide range. Uh, it cuts across the nonprofit sector, everything from arts and culture, um, human services. A lot of our clients are human services. We work with education, higher ed, so it really cuts across the nonprofit sector as well. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today, and and uh, obviously with your background in non nonprofit organizations, but a lot of the issues we're going to talk about recruiting and retaining kind of apply to all businesses. Would you absolutely, would you agree? absolutely? I think, um, yeah, it it doesn't discriminate against one piece, one sector, or one industry. I think it really is cutting across. Um, industry as a whole. Sure. You know, and I want to encourage our, our listeners, uh, take a look. If you're at the computer, uh, jump on, uh, you know, Googling Benefactor Group. Uh, the, uh, I believe the website is benefactorgroup.com. Correct. Is that what we have? Yep. yep. And you'll kind of see what that organization does, and it's a wide range. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but just a wonderful organization uh, for a nonprofit to help uh, those organizations with a lot of uh, their strategy, let's say. Right, right. We focus on three areas. We focus on uh, fundraising consulting, so a lot of capital campaigns, fund development. We also work with planning, strategic planning organizations and with planning services. And then um, lastly, the area that I focus in is talent. So a lot of that is executive search, succession planning, uh, working with organizations in terms of of helping them plan uh, their needs from a talent perspective. Sure, and and let's let's uh, stay on that line. And and one of the notes that uh, that you had sent me was uh, 
the unemployment rates. I think uh, first quarter, Ohio was 4.4. U.S. Right. was 3.8. I mean, those are the lowest rates we've seen in a long, long time. Right, right. So I think there's a couple things here. Obviously, low unemployment rate. I, I remember many, many years ago when I was in business school, I think 4% was considered full employment. So obviously, there, there are a lot of that, that demand is exceeding supply in many cases. But I think most importantly is it's the types of folks that people are looking for and the jobs that they want to fill that is really, really critical. I work with a lot of uh, development folks, C-suite folks in, in nonprofit, and the demand is is tight. I mean, it's it's tough to find good folks. The old supply and demand thing that we yeah, learned in college. Absolutely. That's, a, that's a loud and clear, isn't it? Absolutely. So let's revisit a lot of the challenges that businesses are facing today in the area of finding and retaining top talent. What are the challenges that you're running in as you go and recruit and try to replace some of, some of this talent? Wow. That'll take you the rest of the yeah, uh, podcast I, you and know, tell you me. Know, I, I think obviously people want folks that walk on water. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm just uh, wrapping up uh, working with an organization in addiction recovery field, and they're hiring their uh, top person, the, their um, executive director. And I think, you know, they want folks that not only have the technical and the uh, experience and the knowledge of the field that they're serving, but they need folks that have the the soft skills, the competencies, and the abilities to do the job. And not only to do that work, but also to be um, seen as the leader in the in the industry and to represent the organization well in the community. So there's a, a big part of this is, you know, who who can not only do the work, but who can represent us as an organization and and lead the rest of the folks. Right. With this supply and demand issue with talent, you know, how are you handling uh, an organization, whether it's a for-profit or not-for-profit, that has limited budget constraints and needs to hire some top-end talent? You know, I think that that's a great question. And, and the reason I think it is is because I firmly believe that organizations have a lot more at their disposal than they probably give themselves credit for. Because I right now work in the nonprofit sector, it's tough to compete with with obviously corporate or people that can pay high salaries. So there's other things that people can do. And that we, we've known, and this has been true for a long time, as long as I've been in the human resources field, people want to know that they're being developed. And you can do a lot of that without um, spend. Sure, it's great if you have uh, training and development dollars at your disposal, but can do that one-on-one. Uh, you can do it with job rotation, giving people new opportunities, new responsibilities so that they can learn from that, that they can see their career progressing. There's a lot of available training in the community that people can take advantage of. And I think there's another piece of this beyond training and development, and that's just purely culture. Right, right. So, you know, I, again, we hear that, oh, it's it's money, it's the benefits, and sure, that's a, a very, very important part but of it. But how you what you pointed out, I think um, our listeners need to pay attention and develop systems about other stuff right. that, that are are really more important or can be more important than just the the dollar and cents. And I want to dig into that a little bit as we as we go through the next uh, couple minutes. You know, you'd mentioned too that sometimes corporate America will outspend or or over recruit some of the, the talent that you're 
you're seeking because they can afford to do that. Their budgets are larger. Right. And so they're going to they're going to win if it comes down to just, you know, money. They're going to win. But you're going to say, look, we have other things to offer. Right, right. I mean, I think there's a lot that uh, the sector that I work with can offer. And I think people are looking for meaningful work. And they want to know that they're making an impact in the community. Uh, And I think that's true across all generations. But we clearly, clearly are seeing that with the millennials. Right. I have a couple of interns that have worked with us in our shop and uh, it's amazing what um, these folks do coming into the workforce right out of college right now. I mean, it, you know, I look at their background and the things they've been involved with. It's just amazing in terms of even in the philanthropic space. So an example of that is uh, the number of uh, folks that are involved in Buckeithon at Ohio State University, for example, that raises money for Nationwide Children's Hospital or it's just astounding what they do in terms of getting corporate sponsorships and raising money. They're doing a lot of the things that people in the development field sure. do every day. And so they're leaving school, entering the workforce with a lot of that knowledge already. But most importantly, um, I don't know if it's most importantly, but they want to know that the work they're going to do in the future has meaning. Great. You know, and and, and again, we, we're... We have many different uh, podcasts over the years on on recruiting of talent. So it is a is a hot topic. I mean, it just really is with our clients and our listeners, and uh, every organization has that issue. You know, let's let's talk about how do you find the right person. I want to just kind of ask you a couple things, just fire sure. away to yeah, and and see where you know pick your brain a little okay. bit on this. But how important is defining the role? of that job. I guess it's the job description. You know, how it, important is that? It's critical. And and I'm not talking necessarily just defining what the person's going to be doing. I'm talking about really digging into the other elements of the job. So what is it going to take from a competency perspective? Uh, what is the culture like? What is the opportunity there for the person? So what are they going to be able to achieve? And I think it's really highlighting all of that and putting that out there. But beyond, when I say putting it out there, I'm not talking simply posting, but I'm talking about actively, proactively going out and seeking the types of folks that are going to do that work, that are going to be happy doing that work going forward. And those are the people that you really, uh, in my my world, those are the people that you need to be looking for. So as an HR guy... You're actually a salesman trying to sell the organization that you're working for to, to come work for me. Absolutely. I think from me. a recruiting perspective, yeah, that's that's definitely true. And I think when I think of the other aspects of HR beyond uh, recruiting, I think that's true. You're, you're always selling the organization and the work that needs to be done and what the organization hopes to achieve. So how is it going to expand its mission and make progress? How do you sell culture? How do you sell that to a candidate? Wow. I'll tell you something I just recently did that I think was really selling the culture. Um, We brought the the top person back in to spend a day with a lot of different folks in the organization to get a feel for the culture himself. So it was meeting with the people that he was going to be 
directing, overseeing. But beyond that, it was the head of the foundation and talking with them, what did they hope to achieve? It was uh, really talking with the search committee and meeting with the interim executive director. So I think in that instance, culture, I think it's seeing some of that firsthand. But, I, you know, there's, I think, many, many different ways to sell culture. And, uh, and you just want to make sure that you're being honest. Sure. Let's face it, you don't want to put a culture out there uh, that is not you. And then the person gets in the role and then, you know, the turnover is, increases because, you know, they're not happy. It's right. Like, you don't want to sell them a bill of goods. So You're so be, excited. You got be, a candidate and you put them in there. Oops, not a good fit yeah, for the culture. Right, exactly. And again, that's maybe where some upfront work, like you'd mentioned, the, the competencies, explore the competencies and things like that. Um, let's talk about expectations, hiring expectations. Let's say that, uh, you know, I, I jump on the phone, call you at the benefactor group and say, Ron, you know, I need a C-suite individual. Go find me one. How long is it going to take? I want, I want somebody here by the end of next week. Man, that's not going to happen. Good, good luck. luck huh? yeah, good exactly. luck. If you could get somebody by the end of next week, you wouldn't be calling me. Uh, so I think uh, it's really getting to know the organization and what their goals are and what they hope for this person in the role. I think it's really understanding the, the mission and the expectations and being very clear about that. How long is it going to take? You know, I wish I had a, uh, you know, a crystal ball and could say, you know, for this job and this role and this organization, it's going to take this long. But you really don't know sometimes till you get in and you're starting to build that candidate pool and see who's there and who's available. And then it becomes a little bit clearer maybe how long it's going to take. But I think for a top, for the executive director, the president, the CEO, it's not uncommon that it's four to six months. Right. Okay. So Okay. And, and again, that's where you guys come into play, can help an organization uh, start that process maybe earlier or before the C-suite person is ready to resign or, or retire. You know that. You have advance notice. Uh, you can go to work very efficiently and effectively for that organization. So again, I think that's a good rule of thumb. Four to six months. At least that's my expectation. This is going to take some time. Right. There's a model that was developed quite a few years ago, maybe a, maybe a little more than a decade ago, by the Annie E. Casey Foundation around executive transition management. And that model, it, it was actually first developed in, with, in Protest, with Protestant churches. And part of the model is putting an interim executive into place for a while. But really, there's a whole piece of that, uh, the first phase, that is really around um, putting together a leadership agenda and figuring out what is it that the organization needs strategically? Where are they headed? Right. Because if you if you can get a handle on that, then you're more likely to find a person who will be successful in the long run, getting the organization there. And then the other two pieces of that are search, you know, really literally doing what right. we traditionally think of as executive search. And then the third piece is around, uh, on, I call it onboarding, but it's really in the in the Casey model and the ETM model, it's called Thrive. So it's really setting the person up to be successful in the long term. Okay. You know, switch gears a little bit, obviously attracting. Uh, I think you gave us uh, some some good insight there about defining the role and, 
and the competencies and be clear about the expectation and the culture. And I think that's, that's wonderful. Now we've got the person in place. And again, the title of our podcast is Recruit a Team That Loves to Give Back. So I want to talk about retaining you know, your talent. Uh, and we all know there's a, there's a, you know, the cost of turnover is very high, no matter what organization, what industry you're in. But let's talk about retaining and developing or putting that person in a culture that with a company that likes to give back to the community. How do you sell that? How do you set that up? You know, to a certain degree, I think it sells itself. I think in the community that we live in, that I live in, I think a lot of folks know which companies are giving back to the community philanthropically. And we also know that that's a big drive for, for example, if you're recruiting folks in the millennial, uh, from the millennial generation, we know that that's a very important piece of the, the work culture and, and the work contract, if you will. So I think it, to a large extent, um, when an organization gives back to the community, people know it and they see it. And in fact, that's actually how I first got involved in this work with the nonprofit sector. I was doing uh, some corporate and foundation fundraising for the human rights campaign uh, locally here in Columbus for the Columbus Steering Committee. And in the gay community, in the LGBTQ community, people know which organizations support that community. They know which ones uh, you know, I can name a lot of companies here in the Columbus, Ohio region, and we also know nationally which organizations support um, that that element of philanthropy, if you will, that that segment of the population. But I think more broadly, it, it's that's why companies want to do this. I mean, I've always contended most of them don't do it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it because they know it's part of their brand. They know that not only are their employees looking for it, the consumers, the people they serve, the people that they provide products and services to are looking forward to it or look look to that as well. And I think there's actually come together as one, if you will. The things that consumers want, employees want as well. You know, that's part of the the culture thing you were talking about uh, earlier. Um, You know, in this HR uh, human capital uh, process, it's crazy, you know, we hear our clients wrestling with the issues, you know, now with the cannabis uh, issue and concealed carry. Those are, are pretty delicate and, and pretty tough issues. What are you running into in the nonprofit arena with those issues? Well, I haven't seen that as much in the nonprofit, but I think part of it is because of the positions that I'm personally involved with right now. I mean, typically we don't see that in the C-suite roles. Uh, So I think, you know, there are other jobs that I think that's critical. Of course, you know, it's interesting. Like I said, I'm working with an addiction recovery organization and of course the drug test and all of that's going to be be critical. So, uh, but, you know, I think that's going to become more and more uh, important to the whole idea around who are we hiring and how are we finding the best folks. You know, as as you mentioned uh, earlier, you know, there's other things that are equally important other than the dollars and cents and what's in the paycheck. And and I want to kind of just, you know, run through that and, and see if there's anything that we missed. Obviously, culture, that's a big, uh, that, that seems to be large on your radar. Right. And, and with that culture, I'm thinking of things like flexibility, okay. uh, things like, you know, there's a, a 
a, a large organization, a very fast-growing organization in town. They we know there's no such thing as a free lunch, but they do the they have the the, the chef does the catered lunches. It just um, was with a recruiter there last week, um, and when I looked around that culture, I thought you know this is not much different than it was when I was in high tech in the in the early '80s when you know during the um, dot com years where we were trying so hard to get software engineers. So I think it's it's everything from you know how people interact in the, in the workplace. Um, you know, what do we do? What do we provide for uh, flex, uh, amenities? What do we do in terms of flexibility? Um, so there's, you know, it really encompasses a lot of things. And I think the one thing we'd be really remiss if we don't touch on, and that's the whole idea around diversity and sure. inclusion and how does that play into this and how are we attracting folks that represent a lot of different ideas and a lot of different segments of society. So, you know, as I listen to, you know, to you speak and look at your notes, you know, you guys can help the benefactor group can help. If I have a not-for-profit organization, you can help me define the roles, define what I want, define, you know, my employment strategies. You guys do some very specific strategic planning. Yes. And this is one of them. Yes. So fantastic. You know, um, our guest today has been Ron Geisinger with the Benefactor Group located in Columbus, Ohio. You know, we had about eight pages of notes and topics we were going to talk about today, but we only got through a page and a half, Ron. So we're going to have to have you come back and and do uh, additional more, maybe deep dive into some of this stuff. We we scratched the surface, but, you know, as I went through here, some of the uh, services that your organization provides is truly wonderful, and it's a hidden resource that I want again want to encourage people to to reach out and look at your website and just see what kind of services you offer to the not for profit community. Great, so, thanks. Thanks for joining us, Ron. It's always interesting to see the impact a company's culture can have on every aspect of the business, and of course, anytime businesses can promote a culture of giving back to the community, is a great thing for everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsuitable. If you would like some more company culture insight or additional recruiting and retention tips, check out today's page at www.raycpa.com backslash podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to Unsuitable on Ray Radio on your favorite media player or check out the Ray and Associates YouTube channel for a closer look at what's going on behind the mic during each episode. Until next time, I'm Dave Kane, encouraging you to loosen up your tie and think outside the box. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance.